Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. has begun. I am excited. I can't wait to tell you about my guest today. He is awesome. Well, who is he, Casey? Well, he is a marketing leader and thought leader. He's a global brand leader, creativity pioneer, and actually a highly accomplished artist. All these things which we hope we get into today. Um, he is all about crafting these immersive brand experiences, and he's got a lot of experience in advertising and all sorts of facets. So let's dive in. Vice President of Global Demand Generation and Brand Marketing at Blue Jeans by Verizon. Jordan Liebman, welcome to the show, sir. Wow. Thank you, Casey. If I ever make it as a musician or as a prize fighter, you are immediately hired as my hype. Oh. That was fantastic. Thank you. I got to give I'm you a in. round of applause for that. So Give thank me a boombox and I'll be your hype man walking around. Like, <laughs> Love it. Thee, hear thee. Love here it. Comes. Love it. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, my friend. Heck yeah. So let's do this. I'm going to hand yeah. you this thing, yeah. but I know you, okay. got, you got this. So here it is. Ugh. Ugh. Okay. You got it? Ugh. All right. Take got Thor's it. Got hammer. it. Sitting right here alongside my chair. Got it. Excellent. Excellent. We have it. Take Thor's <laughs> hammer and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, or misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. Yeah. I, I thank you for that. You know, when you and I first met and we were talking about this, it was like, oh my God, I can go on and on about this for hours. Here, here's the myth that, that I want to go after consumers or customers, I kind of use the two interchangeably. So forgive me for those of you that are listening or watching and hear me go back and forth between the two. Um, consumers love functional product benefits. They buy your product because of what you do and what you give them. So, so here's the myth with that. Too often, brands communicate from the outside in. They lead with what and how. They're focused on the functional, no matter if it's a B2B brand or even a B2C brand, right? The problem is companies are using tangible features and benefits to build a rational argument for why they are better than their competition. Sometimes those comparisons are made outright. Um, sometimes their metaphors um, are, are drawn, but the effect is the same. They try to sell us on what they do. Think about any company, right? Or again, any company, B2B or B2C. Packaged goods, Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Subway, eat fresh. Walmart, save money, live better. It's even in technology, right? B2B or, or B2B technology, I should say. Oracle is enabling the information age through network computing. PayPal is the safer, easier way to pay online. Describing your product features in excruciating detail, it might be effective in some contexts, but it's rarely effective in building your brand. Your company needs to be building compounding equity over years and years. If the brand changes, you lose all your equity. Product features constantly change. So if you're building your brand on product features, that's going to change not just over years, over weeks and over months. I mean, I'm not sure if you know this, Casey, but Nokia used to sell toilet paper. Jeez. <laughs> toilet paper? Yeah. Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. Microsoft used to sell CDs. It's always the brand that endures the product. But the thing is, is that too many companies believe that people buy their products because of their what and their how. But that's total nonsense. The reality is that most customers in reality buy why the company does it. Think about it. 
human beings want to be a part of something bigger than just themselves. So it's just a, a natural instinct. And the most successful brands in the world know that they aren't selling a product or a laundry list of functional benefits. They're creating a connection. They're evoking an emotion. They are and they need to create an enduring relationship between their company and their customers. So brands have to get better about selling to us and not focusing on themselves. So what's the answer? You have to sell what you sell is your purpose and your promise. I think a perfect example of this is probably Apple. Mm. Their products are, right? Their products and their promise give life to their purpose. It's the reason they matter that's contrary to conventional wisdom. Their products serve as tangible proof of why they exist. The clear correlation of what they do and why they do it is what makes them stand out. This is the reason why we perceive Apple as being one of the most sincere, authentic, original brands in, in the history of, of, of consumerism, right? Everything they do works to demonstrate their purpose, to challenge the status quo, regardless of the products they make or the industry in which they operate. It's always clear that Apple thinks different. They want to give people sitting at home the same power as, as any company. Apple's why to challenge the status quo and to empower individuals is a pattern in all that they do, all that they say, right? It comes to life in all of their products. Think about it. Their computers, their phones. When they first introduced the iPod and the first services that they introduced with iTunes, right. they could have listed exhaustive product features or descriptions. It isn't about them. It is about us, the customer, and we understand why we want it. Apple didn't invent the technology that came with an iPod, right? Or the, nor the music format, but people credit them with transforming the music industry. Creative technologies created that technology. Right. They told us what it was. Apple told us why, why we need it, why this is going to make our lives better. Our decisions as consumers, as customers, starts with why, and so does what Apple creates and sells. It is all about their purpose and their promise, and they have brought that to life in every single thing that they do. Dude, so powerful. The, the imagery yeah. of building your house on the sand of product features, like mm -hmm. how, and then how unstable that will be because you just changed the feature you, you told and if you told everyone the reason you're with us is because of this thing and maybe mm -hmm. you deprecate that feature or you you know there's something mm -hmm. else that's more important now it's just so hard to build a yeah. to your point to compound yeah. a strategy so my question back to you is why do we do that why is there this knee-jerk reaction even when i'm selling podcasting right there's this knee-jerk reaction to talk about the feature, some tech, the benefit. Why do we go rational when we're just all these little emotional, irrational creatures walking around? It's easy, plain and simple. It's easy. Um, it's what most most of us is, as marketers. I wouldn't say most of us, but unfortunately, a a loud minority of marketers just gravitate toward. If you focus on product marketing. It's a recipe for bad advertising or bad advertising, right? It's it, it, advertising needs to be memorable to work. It needs to be distinctive to work. Like I said before, it has to build compounding equity 
over years and years and years. Product features constantly change. So what we're looking for when we focus on the functional benefits is, is the now. We're not thinking about the future. And I think it, it, it's, it's certainly a, a natural thing and it's a fair thing to focus on the now, but what you're not doing is building that long-term equity. You build the long-term equity by creating the relationship, by creating a connection. That's where it's going to work. And so again, to answer your question, the reason why there's so much more focus or so much more emphasis placed on the functional more often than the emotional is because it's easy and it's immediate. You're not, but you're not thinking about what's going to happen one, two, 10 years, 20 years from now as your brand continues to evolve. Right. It's easy and the data is in front of you. And I, I wonder if right. the hard thing would be to get in the mind of your customer and and really think about right. serving them. But so it's so much easier just right. to talk about this fact sheet that you have in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's exactly what it is. It, it it's it's much, much easier. Um, and it's a given, right? It's it it's right, like you said, it's right there in front of you. You're if you're not it, I think it also takes more time to build the emotional connection and to create that relationship. You really need to understand who your customers are, what their mindset is, what, what they're thinking about, how these products make them feel, or for that matter, you know, as a B2B decision maker, what, what's on the line here? Is it millions of dollars? Is it my reputation? Is it my peers' perception and my manager's perception of me? There's just an emotional decision involved in B2B purchasing as there is in B2C purchasing. So why not go ahead and and bring that emotional function or emotional function, that emotional benefit, that emotional connection into your to your marketing efforts? How do we do that? What's the best way to get out of our heads, get into our hearts? I think it's a few things, right? So, you know, we talked about like, what are the four to five things to think about? I think the first thing is our role as marketers, right? It, it's a mistake to think that our role, especially as brand marketers, is simply to promote our brand or products in the most marketable way, whatever sells the most, yeah. right? I, I think we, you have to, you know, put a screeching halt on that if that's the way that you and your organization are, are thinking about what your role is marketing. Um, I think we also need to stop thinking about chasing the customer to interrupt them with a brand message. I think the greatest brands, the most successful brands are about encouraging people to discover your brand, to discover your company and your products and to opt into all its different experiences. This is why it's so important to create brand experiences that are worthy of your customer's time. Right. If you do that, it's going to lead to much deeper brand engagement, shareability, and eventually it's going to go ahead and build and ab- build affinity and advocacy over time. Yeah. Um, you know, I I was reading this, you know, recently. I I think, you know, creativity is essential to long-term uh, brand building in B2B. Right. It helps drive memorability among customers, which I think within the B2B space is is, you know, is spurring us to reach new creative heights and purpose. There's a growing need for emotion 
and provocative storytelling in B2B. There's probably just as much, if not more, emotion involved in a B2B purchase than there is in B2C. So I think we have to think outside the box yeah. of our companies to really understand the role that our brands play in, not just in business, but in culture and in society as well. I, you know, the most successful and iconic brands, Casey, are the ones with the greatest sense of self, so, excuse me, with the greatest sense of self, it's a Friday, so give me a little bit of credit <laughs> here. <laughs> the most, let me say that again, the most successful and iconic brands are the ones with the greatest sense of self with how the world sees them. I think the other thing is, and this is the last thing on this, is every brand, and I don't care if you're B2B, B2C, if you're technology, your packaged goods, if you're a luxury brand, if you're athletic wear, okay? Every brand has the opportunity to tell a story that is greater than the product itself. I'll say that again. Every brand has the opportunity to tell a story that is greater than the product itself. So it's not just a sneaker. It's an invitation to your human potential as an athlete. This isn't just a video conferencing right. platform. It's a portal to the more, to more immersive, collaborative human experiences. This isn't just a car. It's what's going to unlock the gate to your next great adventure. There's so much more that you can do there, right? You're, 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 there's a light bulb that goes off. You, you, people get to see what the potential is of using your products, of being a part of your brand experience. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that emphasis on creating greater experiences, the, the focus on really telling a story that people want to be a part of, that they're looking forward to the next chapter and being in on that story. That's what's going to create that advocacy. That's what's going to create that organic shareability. That's what's going to build that affinity. And over time, it becomes repeat purchases, which just becomes another way to go ahead and drive the growth of your business. Plain and simple. Encouraging discovery. You have me fixated on mm -hmm. that. It, it's a fascinating idea. I would love that. I would love to be, you know, come, you know, come. It's like, it's like, Willy Wonka on the Chocolate Factory, right? That old movie, you know? And mm -hmm. yep, yep. he lets the kids into the giant candy room and he's not like, mm -hmm. okay, first stop in your walking tour of this candy room is the gummy bear tree. Let's all eat some now, right? He was just like, mm -hmm. go for it. You know, he, yeah. here's the candy room. Go eat whatever stands out to you. And that type of mm -hmm. discovery encouragement Seems like the way we should be doing it, but I feel like we do the opposite, right? We, yeah, you might be in the candy room, but it doesn't feel like it feels like you're in school because they're walking you through step by step. Mm -hmm. Does this tie back into that same thing we were talking about earlier where we're, we're trying to dictate not only the product services and features, but also the path you must take? Yeah, I think so. And, and again, I think that there are a lot not to, you know, it sounds like I've been knocking, you know, the brands for the past 15 minutes that are doing a bad job, but there are so many brands that do a good job of this, right? I think that those that are going to be successful need to have a an authentic sense of curiosity, right? Be willing to test and learn, learn fast, fail fast, and continue to march forward right? You, you got to be able to think outside the four walls of your organization and, and understand 
um, the role that your brand plays in business, in society and culture. I think the more you step outside your comfort zone, the more you're going to learn about your customers, the more you're going to learn about your own brand and how those customers or those potential customers perceive it. I think the more that we take the, the blinders off and we open up our aperture as, as marketers, the more we learn and we become a bigger catalyst for growth, um, not just for the organizations that we work for or the customers that we, we serve, um, but for an entire industry and, and hopefully for, for a culture too, if you, you, know, you want to think you know, right. beyond that. Um, but you, you got to be willing to take a test and learn approach. You, you have to be curious every, about every single thing. Ask why and how uh, about the what's and, and, and the who's. You, you just you, you can't just constantly be doing the same thing over and over again. You have to be exploratory right. about everything from a marketing standpoint. How do you infuse creativity? You're talking about the need is so much greater or just there's such a need mm -hmm. for creativity especially in the b2b world how do you infuse that how do you bring it into yeah. an otherwise corporate life or an otherwise non-creative how do you break those four walls of a building yeah i i think one of the big parts of it is you know when you go into the room and you're not surrounded by marketers whether it's product it's finance it's sales you know, think across the entire c-suite you, you gotta check your your you know speaking marketer at at the door. Right. People don't get yeah. that right. We we are marketers are are a rare breed. I don't care if you're in performance marketing, you're in growth marketing, you're in creative marketing, or CRM. No matter what it may be, we are a very rare breed, um, and we have our own way of speaking about things. But when you walk into the leadership room or into the C-suite, yep. you have to be able to build advocacy across the different functions. You have to take a highly collaborative approach. You gotta look at marketing success through the lens of finance. You know, what is this investment in brand going to do in terms of our ROI? How is this going to create bigger sales opportunities for our sellers? what does this mean in terms of driving product vision, right? right? The more that you can get them to see the purpose that marketing serves and what our vision is through their lens, you will build affinity for marketing. You will create bigger advocates. You will be seen much more collaborative and people throughout the leadership organization will be able or will be more willing to stand behind you. I think it's so much uh, about about building that partnership, um, and and from there, not that people have their guards up, but they're going to be much more willing to embrace um, creativity and and what the value is that that it provides. There was a LinkedIn survey that coincided with the launch of the B two B line last year that said that eighty two percent of global marketing leaders believe that B2B creative confidence is growing. That means that people are seeing the benefits of injecting creativity into their marketing and being able to, to inject that emotional connection between a company 
and in and its customers. Right. Um, that that's a big deal. It's not just a B two C thing anymore. It is very much a B two B. And if you're checking creativity at the door, then you are doing your business a massive disservice, and you are leaving potentially millions of dollars on the table mm. when you do that because. If you're going to sit there and you're just going to, you know, rattle off a bunch of product benefits, well, company XYZ can do the same thing as you, but they've created an emotional connection with me. They've stimulated me mentally. So I'm going to go to them, you know, peace out company ABC. I'm going with XYZ instead because they, they get me. That's a big deal. They get me and I'm going to them every time, every yep. time. Yep. They don't even need to advertise exactly. because at that point, because I, they've got me, you know, but they, they could remind me about yeah. that. But yeah, yeah, that loyalty starts yeah. building immediately. Let, mm -hmm. Let's talk the transition to the future. To, you know, what kind of exciting yeah. trends are coming around the bend? You can see them. You're excited to see what, yeah. what, what that will bring. Yeah, absolutely. I think creative and creativity is undergoing a massive transformation. I, I said this a couple of moments ago, right? It's not just for consumer brands any longer, but B2B is coming a long way. I spoke about yeah, the the Conlion B2B award that launched last year. I spoke about that, that LinkedIn serving, right? It, it's B2B marketers believe that B2B brands are producing creative campaigns that rival consumer brands. But getting back to the creative, it's not just in terms of the ads themselves, but also the way that they're built. Right. I'm going to say a big buzzword that everybody's talking about right now. AI, right? It, it's here to say. It's, it's here to yep. say. There, there, there's no way around that, right? But not in this scary Transformers or, or Terminator terrifying sci-fi way, right? The robots aren't here to rule over us, at, at least not yet. We have a long way until that happens. And so I think AI should really be welcomed as one of those tech evolutions that's going to enhance the way that we operate as marketers. Generative AI, right? That's going to play an increasingly important role, not just in terms of how creative assets are produced, but it's going to play an even bigger role in customer service and overall brand experience for the better. I don't think we've even hit the tip of the iceberg on this one yet. I think that there is tremendous upside to, to AI. Um, it is going to enhance the way that we do business. It's going to enhance the way that we market our brands. Um, and it's going to enhance the connections between our brands and, and, and our customers in, in every way possible. I think this is going to be a wonderful thing. And, you know, I don't think people should be afraid of it. Nobody's losing their jobs anytime soon. It, you still need people to invoke emotion. That is not something that a machine can mimic. Um, you, a machine cannot mimic the, the insights uh, that, that go into, into building these sorts of connections between brands and customers. So I think this is going to be a wonderful thing. And we're going to see a lot of great things to come before the end of this year and most certainly in, in the years ahead years ahead now ai i i agree it's 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 mm -hmm. scratching the surface but as an mm -hmm. artist and as someone who brings creativity into a bdb organization where is that is there a tug of war with the tool like ai that generates content um mm -hmm. 
is that does that just replace creativity altogether or is there a no not at all how do you not at all not at all i I think i I think it becomes a tool in your toolbox right you still need a creative director you still need an art director and a copywriter to articulate what their vision is and to ensure that what ai produces brings it to life the you you might not have the illustrator or the designer there but you still need people to come up with that vision and ai is there to help articulate that vision you know in written or in in visual form I don't think it's a tug of war. I think it's an enhancement to to what we are doing, you know, on the creative side of of the business as well as complementing what we as marketers are trying to do in terms of building connections with our customers. There's no battle there. It, it, it's an ally. Um, granted, it could be an intimidating ally <laughs> because it's still so new to so many right. of us. But like I said, there this isn't here to rule over us. It's not here to take over our jobs. This is an enhancement to what we are already doing. And I think it's going to make our businesses perform better. And I think that it's going to produce more effective creative. And I think that it's going to create deeper, stronger, richer relationships between brands and their customers. Hands down. Powerful. Yeah, that that makes total sense. How you how you can balance that out? Yeah. Yep. And really, my my next question for you is like, who are you? <laughs> who are you? How do you know all these things? You know, take me back to little little Jordan day days. Did you know you were going yeah. to be running global brand marketing for you know cutting edge no. you know, brands within a brand that kind of thing? What was it like? No, no. So. Um, I was really lucky. I think at probably the age of 14 or 15 years old, I knew that I wanted to go into advertising. Here, yeah. Here's the reason why. Um, yeah, yeah, here's the reason why. I had um, an aunt of mine um, who worked in advertising as well. And she was, you know, she and my uncle were the cool aunt and uncle in, in the family. And so whenever we would get together as a family or we'd see them on the weekends because we lived in the same town, she was always talking about her career. And I was completely blown away by the way that she was talking about advertising. And wow, there is a way to inject creativity in business and, and you know, create these relationships. There was just something about it that I was, I just fell head over heels in love with. You know, at 15 years old, some kids declare they want to be lawyers or doctors or they want to be professional athletes. I wanted to go into marketing and, and make TV commercials. Um, I love marketing. I loved it and I still love it. I fall more and more in love with it every day. I think it's the pressure and permission to evolve, the responsibility to take care of the consumer um, or, or your fans, right? If you're in sports and entertainment marketing, to serve with excellence, imagination, and inspiring creativity to create as many connections as you are responsible for driving revenue. There's something that I just, I love all about it. The people, the creativity, just the brilliant and inspiring minds, the amount of innovation that comes out from that, the teamwork 
um, the, the amazing ideas that come to life and just create these unequivocal moments and, and experiences. I, I love every single aspect of that. And so, you know, I've been very fortunate throughout my career to have these different experiences, whether it was at 15 years old, you know, where I declared to my parents, I want to make TV commercials. And, you know, my aunt who was, you know, one of my greatest mentors, um, you know, up until her, her, you know, her, her last breath was, you know, guided me through, throughout my career. It was just, it was one inspiring experience after another. And from experience to experience, I've learned different things about people, about business, about the role that creativity plays, the importance that creativity plays, how that really creates um, a connection between a company and its customers, not just in terms of an exchange of goods or services for their hard-earned money, but ultimately the greatest experiences create an enduring relationship that people want to be a part of. It's about telling a story, Casey, yeah. right? Some of the, the greatest stories in the world, you know, people just want to be a part of. And to be able to do that in business and get paid to do it, sign me up. And that's what I said, you know, as, as, as a teenager, sign me up. And so, you know, I went off to university. I studied marketing and, and organizational behavior, which is a sexy way to say, you know, corporate psychology. Um, did a few internships in, in advertising and then, you know, graduating in the early two thousands, I, I made a career of Madison Avenue and, and that again, turned him from one experience into another. And I've just been very, very fortunate throughout my career to have the right experiences and it's brought me to where I am. There's still a long road to go, but, uh, you know, it, it's left me tremendously satisfied and wanting to come back for more every single day for sure. So you you've had these experiences. I'm I've, I've locked onto that word experiences. Yeah. And then you, then yeah. you've gone on to create them. What is it about mm -hmm. creating experiences? And it, is the creation the part? Is it the part of seeing people go through that and experience what you've mm -hmm. designed? What's the part mm -hmm. that really gets to you? It, it has nothing to do with what I experienced, right? Yeah. Let's be clear. I'm one person that is surrounded by an, an army of marketers who are amazing at what they do, whether that's been in my prior roles, agency side, or having gone brand side. Even now, running a marketing organization for Blue Jeans by Verizon, I've been very fortunate in the team that we have put together. It is a small but mighty team of extremely passionate marketers who are experts in what they do, whether that is lifecycle marketing, field marketing, brand and design, uh, you know, global events, you know, putting together experiences. So for me, it's exactly that what I just said there. It's the experience, right? It is building that story that people connect to. And at some point, that brand story is no longer the brands, it's the customers, it's the consumers. And so seeing that transition where it starts to become this dance between brand and customer to really drive this story. And granted, we are the ones that are, are building these experiences. We're creating these experiences for the consumers. But the experience that I have with Nike, for example, is going to be very different from the experience that Casey has, right? right? I'm a runner and a basketball player. So I lean into those sports, whereas 
you might be skateboarding or you might be, you know, just a casual everyday now, is that an, guy. Is this an accurate judge of my character? Are you saying I, I'm, a, I'm a skater? No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I, I don't know. Maybe, I was maybe you're a compliment. Like I'm a young Tony, yeah. Tony uh, Hawk yeah. here. Let's go. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're, you're a six time triathlete. I, I, I don't know, but you know, the, the experiences that we have with those brands are, are very, they're similar, but different, right? right? Same thing yeah. with, with a product, like, like a video SaaS, blue jeans by Verizon, right? The way that I use it on a day-to-day basis is going to be completely different from you as a content creator who uses it on a day-to-day basis. Why? Because of the products that we provide are different for me as a marketing leader, as they are for you as a content creator, right? But what we are doing as a brand is we, again, go back to starting with your purpose and your promise, right? We're delivering on that. And the experience that I have from that, again, it's going to vary from me to you, to Bill, to Sally, to whomever else it might be. So, uh, it's not about the the creation of the assets and seeing that out into the marketplace. I think that's that's an output of the bigger effort of of just loving the ability to create these stories, to tell these stories, and for people to be as impassioned about those stories as I am or as my my colleagues are, and to want to be a part of it. I, there, there's something that's really cool about it. So the answer is, I love stories. I love hearing them. I love telling them. If you can create an experience that, you know, far surpasses that and ultimately becomes the customer story, that that's a tremendous upside to all of that for everyone. What kind of stories are you using to create experiences for this brand named after a pair of pants? So we've got we got blue <laughs> jeans by Verizon. So obviously Verizon yeah. is the mothership. We got this this pair of jeans yeah. here company. What is it? Mm-hmm. What does it do? What's the story behind it? What are the experiences you're creating? Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, the reason why we exist is to create deeper, more immersive human experiences, right? That That's what it's all about. It's about creating the tools, uh, building a platform that allows people to connect and learn and share and collaborate, whether you are sitting in your office on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan, or we're sitting at home in in Boise, Idaho, Idaho, and you can still have that experience as if you guys were in the same room building and learning from each other, right? I think the pandemic taught us, for better or for worse, that you don't need to be in the same location to share ideas, right? Um, to to learn from one another, and you can do that in in real time. And so, what we're doing really is we're we're building these richer, deeper, more immersive experiences that all, allow people to do all these things that they might have been not have been able to do before because of their remote locations. Um, it, it it's not just about serving as as an enterprise tool. Um, there's something that that's that's deeper to that. Um, it's just my and my team's job to help get that story out there um, and to build familiarity and and ultimately um, engagement with the product, which turns into affinity and and advocacy. Which, like we said, you're going to be drivers behind revenue growth. Right. <laughs> Makes sense because it, you know if you started talking about the features of this tool 
Does it do video? Yes. Does it do audio? I mean, there's a lot of these tools out there that will do video and audio. So I think what a perfect person to have in place to then say, okay, stop. It's not about, does my video record 1080, you know, I, and no, it's about, it's about the experience and the story and, and the why that you become a part of if you're mm -hmm. signing on with an app like that. My next question for you here, it's a bit of a hypothetical mm -hmm. because you see, I may or mm -hmm. may not have a time machine here in New Hampshire. So let's say you come visit, you get some lobster, get some beer, and we go hang out. It's in the yeah. backyard covered in a tarp, right? So we go, yeah. hey, honey, I'll be back. We're going to go in the time machine. All right. And then you know, we're back instantly, right? Because it's time machine. But mm -hmm. uh, so I can't be late for dinner with a time machine. That's the best part. So we're hanging mm -hmm. out. We do mm -hmm. this time machine thing. We, you get to go meet yourself. Yeah. Early 20s, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe just graduated mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. school. You're done. You're moving on to the, the real world. Bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. Yeah. You can have a conversation with yourself. What do you say? What do you tell yourself? Um, first thing is, is get those stupid earrings out of your ear right now because you're going to look <laughs> ridiculous if you wear them for another minute. Um, no, that that aside, yeah, that that aside, I, I would say I would have told 22, 23-year-old Jordan um, to embrace the change because that's the only way to build a successful career is by thinking about your your life as a collection of experiences or more specifically thinking about your career as a collection of experiences as opposed to this is the industry that i want to work in or this is the category i want to serve or which marketing roles you really want to focus on um i i think if had i embraced that change um it, it has served me well but it would have served me even better I spent 15 years in advertising at agencies like Gray and Publicis and BBDO and McGarry Bowen. And then I went brand side over to Verizon. I've worked across B2B and B2C, packaged goods, luxury, sports and entertainment, tech, telecommunications, finance, energy, right? I, I came to Verizon and I've worked in creative and brand marketing. Then I went into consumer product marketing. And now I'm running brand and demand generation for our, our video collaboration platform, very different brands, very different challenges. And there's not a day that passes by that I don't recall what I've learned from my leaders and my mentors at every single one of those experiences. So if I think about that, when, when I was at BBDO, you know, learning from people like John Osborne and David Lubars about harnessing creative culture. Um, or when I worked on, on P&G brands from people as senior as, as Mark Pritchard about the importance of customer segmentation and retail marketing, um, or even at, at Verizon now, right? Whether it was, you know, just being in the same room as, as people like, you know, Diego um, or, or Andrew McKechnie or, or even, you know, Rob Riley uh, about creating these immersive experiences, you know, and, and all these insanely, insanely talented marketing and creative leaders that I've had the opportunity to learn from and, and observe. Um, it, it, you know, I owe it to something that I've learned from each of those experiences, which with each of those people. Um, and I think that younger Jordan probably would have said he would have stiff armed that. Yep. Right. But there definitely is something to embracing the change. Um, and embracing every single one of those experiences as a collection of experience instead of saying, 
I'm just going to do TV commercials for the rest of my career. That would have been great. Sure. That would have been awesome. But I don't think it would have made me as rounded of a marketer as I am now. I mean, to be quite frank, I, I've been running demand gen and brand for, for Blue Jeans now for just about two years. Before that, I hadn't done a tremendous amount of B2B marketing, at least in the capacity that I have been doing right. um, over these past almost 24 months. Um, it has gotten me to appreciate what it is that the, not just the seller experience is, but what that deal life cycle is like for the customer on the other end. You know, what does it take for product to drive revenue? What is the role of finance in this? There's greater accountability. Um, there's more skin in the game. And so I think having those collection of different experiences as opposed to focusing on a specific, um, area of expertise or, you know, the, you know, the, the category or the industry I would have, you know, I would have focused, focused on, um, that's served me tre tremendously well. Um, and I think that 22, 23 year old Jordan would have definitely appreciated that advice. Does that make would sense? He, would he have listened? Um, <laughs> you probably would have said, who's this old guy <laughs> that looks just like me? Um, you're me. I, I think he would have listened. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think he would have listened because here, yeah. here's the thing. Like I said before, I've been very, very lucky from an early age to have a collection, not just of experiences, but of mentors yeah. um, who may not have directly taken me under their wing um, the way that 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 first mentor did, um, but it indirectly from a distance mentored me and and I I learned from and from that i've created my own style of of leadership my own style of of thought and and strategy and and what brand is and and isn't um and and now i'm i'm passing those lessons on to the people that i manage and and that i mentor and um i think that's probably one of the most rewarding things in my career to be honest with you casey is to have had those experiences um, and to pass those lessons on to a future generation of marketers, right. um, and to see what they do with it. So it's been pretty cool. Mentorship. Mentorship is powerful, powerful. Yeah. Do you, where, yes. where do you find time? Uh, you've been creating art for a long time. Do you still find time yeah. to create and what, what are your favorite mediums to work in? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's funny. So that, that piece of me really just, it was always there. Right. right. I, I mean, I, I was in advertising for 15 years. I don't care where you sit in the agency or where you sit in the world in general. I believe that everybody is created. It is not just for artists or musicians or, or anything else. Everybody is creative. Creativity is not is not limited to a visual or an, an audio or a written medium. It, you know, there's creativity in, in science, there's creativity throughout all of life. You just need to find what it is that you're talented at and, and really tap into it. Um, so I, I was always a, a creative kid, right? Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why I went into advertising and I knew at 15 years old that I wanted to go into advertising. Um, and, you know, being surrounded by such talented minds who had inspired me, um, you know, for, for decades and to really explore and play with it, th that's something that, that came about 
probably about four years ago, just before the start of the pandemic. And I remember we were renovating the, the home that we live in now. And my wife and I were walking through these different art galleries and the pieces were were stupid expensive. And I was like, we're, we're not ready to do this. We can't afford to do this, but I can do something like that. And so it was literally just sitting down in our basement, taking this, you know, this old tool room and converting it into a small artist studio and just experimenting and learning, right? You know, I go back and I talk about those collection of experiences and, and learning from every single one of those. It was the exact same thing with, with, with my artwork. Um, and, you know, what's come of this is this really unique blend. You asked about what mediums I, I work in. It's this really unique blend of contemporary street art, I guess you can sure. say. Um, and so it's mixed media. It's an amalgamation of acrylic, spray paint, oil pastels, um, you know, you know, house materials, um, you know, vintage, vintage newsprint and magazine print. Uh -huh. Um, you know, it's a, so it's a mixture of the, the past with, with the new, um, or of the present. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's cool. You know, I think that it's good to have that creative outlet because it allows me at least to work through different challenges, different things that I'm, I'm playing around with for work or that I'm trying to think of. And sometimes some of the greatest ideas that I have for work come out of what I'm trying to work on downstairs in, in, in my studio. Um, it's something that was a hobby that has turned into a small um, side, side hustle. I will always be a marketer. I will always be a brand guy through and through. I am so far from becoming the next Banksy. Um, but <laughs> it's, um, you know, it, it's pretty rewarding, both in terms of what I've been able to create for so many people, um, but also the lessons that I've been able to, to gather uh, from it for, for myself. Um, so it's been pretty cool plot twist you are banksy and yeah. this is this is your cover <laughs> this is my big reveal right here yeah, yeah. hey world you heard it here <laughs> the clickbait yeah. will be all over youtube <laughs> watch this yeah. episode to find yeah. out um yeah man sure. oh, great stuff uh, so many things there yeah. uh, the the creation uh mm -hmm. final question for you around that do you have a favorite piece you've created or are they all kind of your your children in different shapes and forms. I, I think, you know, you, you love all your children for different right. reasons, right? I, I wouldn't say that there's, there's one piece per se that I am head over heels in love with. Um, I think that some of my, my earliest work, um, it, which you can probably actually see yeah, right, right there, it's that Eric Jeter piece right there. Um, you know, that was one of the first pieces I, I ever created, uh, and if you look closely at it, it it's it's very uh, rudimentary in terms of how it was it was put together um, and and the style of it versus something that I do today, which is another piece that's that's right oh, wow. here, um, and and how it's evolved. I love both pieces equally, but for different reasons, right? There's a journey that has has gone from. Derek Jeter circa, uh, you know, late 2019, early 20 to Michael Jordan circa, you know, July, 2023. Um, there are different parts yeah. of the story of me as, as an artist. 
um, along with the dozens of other pieces that I've created in between. And um, like I said, there's no one piece that that stands out. Even the worst pieces, I, I love just as much as some of my greatest creations. What are I can tell you about like what some of my my greatest achievements were. Um, and those definitely stand out, whether it's, you know, was creating a, a massive eight foot wide piece that is with a collector down in Miami wow. right now, um, to, you know, being recognized in, in the press for some of my work and, you know, people who are, are pretty senior in advertising and marketing, um, being completely shocked. When they they find out that I've got this you know this side thing going on, and they're like, if I had known that, I would have hired you as my creative director <laughs> right. instead of being my client. Um, <laughs> and but you know there there there's a really special connection that comes out That's of right. it when when you create these pieces, whether I was paid for it or not. Um, there's a connection that I have with every single person that has a piece of artwork hanging in their home or their office that I made for them or that they, they, they purchased. I actually had somebody reach out to me a couple of weeks ago. I had donated a piece to, to an auction. Turns out she was a huge Bruce Springsteen fan and she found me over, over Instagram. And she was like, Hey, um, you know, the lucky, uh, you know, recipient of, of this piece of work. I absolutely love it. Thank you for creating it. Um, how, you know, how do I hang it in my home? And so we've gone back and forth talking about the different ways. And so there's a connection there. We never met. I didn't get paid for it. She she won it in in a in a charity auction. Um, but there's a special connection there. You know, same thing goes for the pieces that I've created for my loved ones. Um, there's a story behind those. And it's a story that's between me and the person that hangs it on their wall, as well as those people that might pass by wherever it's being hung. Um, and that's that's really, really special to me. It's so amazing that she she didn't yeah. even you know pay for it per se, but she she won it. But yeah. she, she treasures yeah. it, right? And sometimes we yeah. oh well, it was free. No, she this is really cool. How, how can I yeah. display it? What you know? How how can I have the scene in its best light and share this with yeah. other people? It's something about art, and the fact that you share it. it yeah. Would you say it's intrinsic too? I mean, some people squirrel away their art in a closet and it's just for them, but a lot mm -hmm. of it's shared. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it intrinsic? I would say, yeah. 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 I mean, th that might be too, it might be a little lofty of a, of a word, but look, there are still those pieces where uh, you can't put a price tag on it right. because they're, they're so meaningful to me. And that is something that I will hang on to. And hopefully someday if I'm a grandfather decades from now, that's something my grandchildren will see and be like, yeah, our, our grandfather created those and now yeah. they're hanging in our homes. There's a story to that. There are other pieces where it's just like, all right, that this isn't necessarily something that I have any sort of emotional connection to, but it's something that, that means something to you as a collector and you commissioned me to, to do that. And so there's a story there, but it's a story. There, there are different stories that are there. There's the story between that piece and what it means to that collector or whomever was the recipient that they were giving it to. And then there's the story between me, the artist who created that piece, and me, the artist who created it for that person and what our back and forth was, what our, what our interaction was, how 
we created this piece together. Because I think that's one of the things, you know, that is unique about me as an artist when I am commissioned. It's something that I create in partnership with the person that has asked me to do it yeah. for them. It's not just my vision. It's this is what they are looking for, whether it's a certain color palette or a certain subject or, you know, they're creating a really unique piece for somebody to celebrate their graduation from college and they went to the school and there are all these different things that are, that are integrated into it. Um, you know, there are other pieces that it's just, I look at it, it's like, that's a cool subject. I want to do something around that. I'm actually doing that right now for someone. Uh, well, somebody, it's a surprise for them, but um, it was just, I know that means something to me and to them. I'm going to do something for them. So I, I think that they're, they're, wonderful stories to be told and everything. It's just not a brand thing, right? It's just not a creativity right. thing. Um, it, it's all of it. And so as an artist, to be able to to have those stories with those people, and it's not just me who created it. I created it with all these people. Um, I love it. I love it. It motivates me. It gets me excited every time I walk into my studio and I start something new. So kind of very similar, not kind of, but very similar to you know, what, what I do as a, as a marketing and as, as a brand leader. Yeah. Creating those campaigns in your, in your art room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Gordon, this has been so cool. Where can people connect with you yeah. if they want to reach out, talk art, talk, talk yeah. brand? Yeah. Yeah. LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, it's, you know, well, I'm sure the, the details. Yeah, we'll put it right in the show notes. Last name will be here. Okay, cool. Um, you, if you want to learn more about me as a brand and marketing leader, um, you can go to, uh, jordanleapman.com. Okay. And then on Instagram, if you want to see any of my artwork, it is, uh, not the best name, but I'm going with it. Um, Jordan NYC underscore art. So J O R D A N N Y C underscore A R T. And you can see a, a pretty much all of my work there. Like, yeah. Um, and, and then some, Keep code so, unlocked. Um, we, find, we find the art page. Yeah. That's what we're talking about here. Cool. <laughs> Start with LinkedIn though. That's the best way. <laughs> That's where it really you see a learn about me professionally. So. Awesome. And then if people yeah. want to get, get the stories and start and experience mm -hmm. the ex experiences, go through the experiences on, when they want to explore blue jeans, where should they go? What kind of things should they do? Blue jean. Bluejeans.com, www.bluejeans.com, wow. www and you can sign up for um, free trials of, of a few of our different products, um, which are, are pretty awesome. So people can go there to, to learn more about who we are as a brand and you know the, the portfolio of products and services that we, we offer in, in helping to drive, like I said, deeper, more immersive human connections. There it is, dude. Thank you so much cool. for coming on here. This thank was you. This has been awesome. Powerful, powerful yeah, combo. This was a blast. Crazy. Thank you. Crazy, man. And hey, for those listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did, because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back, then share this with someone. Uh, well, even one person. Share it with one. Who's that one person that needs to hear about story, needs to hear about experience that can infuse that into their marketing, get this information in their hands. With that, Jordan, thank you again, sir. Thank you, Casey. It's been a pleasure. All right, everyone. This has been a crazy cool episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will see you all next time.